was all that cryptic shit he was saying about not changing one little thing? I know exactly what he meant. He was talking about the butterfly effect. That was a great fucking movie. One little change has a ripple effect, and it affects everything else. Like a butterfly floats its wings, and Tokyo explodes, or there's a tsunami in, like, you know, somewhere. Dude, yes, exactly. Or, like, you step on a bug, and the fucking internet's never invented. Right. Oh, then you have to talk to girls with your mouth. Yeah, I was more concerned about bigger consequences, like me not being born. Oh, yeah, no, I don't care about that. The point is, what did we do 20 years ago? Let's figure it out right now. We gotta do the exact same thing. Uh, I had that gig. That's right, you got up on stage and you were wildly mediocre. And that led to nothing of a career. Okay, first of all, fuck you, motherfucker! I could have had a career, but I got married and I went a different way. Uh, which way is that, the way that sucked? Didn't you also bang that groupie, uh, what was her name? Tara. You banged her, you gotta go do that again. Did do that. That's but fuck, no, no, I'm married. I can't go around banging girls in hot tubs. Nick, it's 1986. You can't cheat on someone you don't know yet. You haven't even met Courtney. Lucifer, itinerary, please. Uh, nothing really happened. Actually, fucked a chick too, so I'll just do that. I seem to remember you getting your ass whooped. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's right. That ski patrol dude pummeled you like it was his job. Yeah, no, I don't remember it that way. I do. Yeah, he fucked you up. You cried and peed. Oh, fuck this, man. This is fucking bullshit. Would you just think of somebody other than yourself, man? There's four of us. It's the fucking 80s, guys. Let's do what we want to do. Free love. It's the fuck. 60s dipshit. No, we had like Reagan and AIDS. Let's get the fuck out of here, okay? Do the right thing, violator. Travis, coming to you. We're going to talk about Hot Tub Time Machine, Travis's selection, 2010 film with John Cusack, Craig Robinson, all kinds of fun people. It's going to be a good time. Our pal Eric is, uh, he's ill. You know, he's got a lot of sicknesses that he runs into with his job and, you know, having children. It can't be easy, Travis. The children can be filled with germs and they can spread them around. I mean, all humans can, but children extra, and he's surrounded by them at all times, which is why he gets some sort of respiratory hell like seven, eight times a year. So, <laughs> Respiratory hell. Oh, respiratory email the show. Cinnamonipod.gmail.com. We actually have one email here. This is from Joe. Right. Jump right into it. It says, hey, guys, a few weeks ago, I saw the movie Anna suggested for me on Netflix. 
It looked vaguely, vaguely familiar, but I threw it on anyway. As it went on, I had a growing feeling that I had indeed watched this movie, and after about 20 minutes, I knew I had. It's a decently fun and well-done action flick and the type of semi-mindless movies I enjoy. But that's besides the point. How could this happen? Well, until about six months ago, I was on my brother-in-law's Netflix account, and when I made one for our family, I didn't transfer our data where it would have shown that I'd already watched it. Also, my memory isn't what it used to be. It's now logged into my letterboxed films, which is one of the benefits of starting that up. Anyways, I assume this is something that happens to you guys as well, given the volume of movies you all watch. If you don't, the answer to the joke in the subject line, if you don't get it already, the follow-up question is, what's the first thing to go? And the answer is, I forgot. Cheers, Joe. <laughs> Always good to hear from Joe. I feel like, I mean, there's been a lot of shows that we've done recently where I'm like, yeah, I saw that. And then I go to watch it like, nope, no, I never saw that. And equally, I can think of the movie in particular, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I've watched that movie three times and hated it every single time. But it, like the, the second, the third time, I'm like halfway through it. I'm like, have I seen? Oh, fuck. Yeah, I have. And finally, mm-hmm. after the third time, I'm like, never again. It's imprinted. That movie sucks. Oh, <laughs> well. Hey, movies bring us together. That's what it's all about. But it doesn't mean that we remember every time we throw on a film. It's called male bonding, okay? Haven't you even seen Wild Hogs? One of the best nope. quotes from the movie. Absolutely. I never saw Wild Hogs. Have you seen Wild Hogs? Oh, of course. I saw it when it was new with that cast. Yeah, I fucking saw it when it was new. <laughs> Didn't see it in theaters, thank God. I saw Lucky Numbers in theaters. Can't, can't get that time back. But okay. uh, yeah, it was uh, not a good experience. Wild hearts. Good yeah. joke, though, from Hot Top Time Machine. Excellent joke. Uh, thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. I uh, definitely was thinking of the Americanization of Emily when you just said the exorcism of Emily Rose. What's with movies and Emily in the long title? That's interesting. She goes to Paris, apparently, also in television, but I've never seen that either. Huh. All right. Yeah, Let's talk about things we've never seen. Hey, all right. Actually, we'll call it quarantine viewing picks. Remember, you can email the show, cinemanipod.gmail.com. Tell us what you've been watching. Share in our past episodes, which there are 181 of, and then there'll be 182 after this one. What's going on with your viewing habits recently, Travis? Um, well, I finished Daredevil for the third time, I think. And it's fun to watch stuff from the Trump administration because, like, Kingpin by season three, Kingpin is clearly Trump. I mean, he's just saying shit like straight out of Trump's like it's like word for word, except for you know more coherent. Um, so that sure. that's but that show is got it's it's got to be one of the best things that Marvel has ever put out on film. It's it's so fucking strong. It's really good. Uh, I checked out a couple great movies. I want to suggest. Actually, I watched some really good stuff. Shit, looking at this, I watched some really good stuff. I checked out Story Avenue. A um, independent feature from last year, 2023, where I I, I went for it because I thought it was going to be a strong two-hander between like a young actor who I was unfamiliar with and Louis Guzman. And it was, but Guzman was in it a lot less. But I was like, Guzman, like a strong dramatic turn. And he is fucking awesome in it. And actually the kid who was a, unknown to me, he's like a 20-year-old playing a 17-year-old, killed it. Just awesome coming-of-age story really powerful and unconventional like it it kind of fucks with you a little bit and it's it's sad but it was really good i liked it Mm. quite a bit and then you know it's it's getting to be oscar time we were going to talk about our best films of 2023 this episode but we'll we'll wait for eric um but a lot of stuff is starting to become available now so i finally have started to see some of that 
and I don't know where to begin in terms of suggestions. I guess I, I guess I do if I really look at this list. So Rustin, I mm. love Coleman Domingo. I, I remember when Fear the Walking Dead came out, I was already pretty off of Walking Dead, but I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And I end up watching two seasons of that shitty show because Coleman Domingo's character alone. I'm like, who is this guy? Can't take my eyes off him. And he's incredible in Rustin. And Bayard Rustin is someone who deserves a movie, I think. It wasn't, I don't think, like cookie cutter biopic, although I've heard other people say that it was, but I didn't find it to be so. And I definitely am glad that he's gotten nominated for it. I don't know if he'll win or not, but I hope it gives his career a good boost because he's a fucking great actor. And it's also, he's reunited with, uh, George C. Wolf, who directed, uh, oh, what was that? What was that movie? Um, Ma Ma Rainey's Black Ma Rainey Bottom. Black Bottom. Yep. Yeah, um, it's, they're kind of routine for that. So definitely worth checking out. It's on Netflix. Also on Netflix, I'm going to make my my main suggestion. But before I get to that, I checked out Past Lives, which I'd heard a lot about over the past year. A24 film, uh, kind of an international feature in the u.s it's like a it's very much based in seoul and new york and you have uh law like it's a, it's a relationship that takes place over like 25 years or actually even longer i think and you're kind of checking in with them at a few different points in their life and again another unconventional story not not what you'd expect it's nominated for best picture there's 10 you know there's 10 nominees for best picture I, i'd be surprised if it won but i'm really glad it was nominated because i think it'll get a lot more eyes on it i was planning on watching it, but definitely once it got the nod, I'm like, okay, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do that. I'll finally put it under the belt. My main suggestion, the movie that really blew me away this week, is also nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, but in the international category, uh, in the international category, and that's Society of the Snow, which is a terrible name for a film, but it's based on a book, and the book is based on the same event that Alive is based on. The, oh. the 1992 film so it's like it's all about the uruguayan plane plane crash in 1972 and that whole bit and i've read that book and it is that on screen and it is just really awesome you got a really beautiful score from here's the batman uh, oh, Michael Shikino. yep he, he shows up and you have a mostly uruguayan and argentinian cast and it's brutal man but i mean like it's edge of your seat i mean it was just, it's two and a half hours and it goes by really fast and it's just it's from almost the beginning it's like fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh god this is happening now oh shit now this is happening oh my god it's it's really i loved it definitely recommend okay yeah alive i never saw alive i remember it well i remember seeing the book in the library i might even read a few pages uh but i wrote a big paper on uh survival cannibalism when i was in um, my doing my grad work, oh, historiography really? of the subject. Yeah, and I read it as part of that and loved it. And it's that story is something else. It's really one of the most incredible human stories, and that's why people keep paying attention to it. It's really good. Would you try? Uh, actually, somebody asked me this recently. This is kind of coincidental, but maybe not. Who knows? I don't know how society and life works, but. A friend of mine asked me, would you eat ethically acquired human meat? <laughs> would you try it? Ethically acquired, of course. I mean, for one, we're living in a time where they're starting to have, you know, we're going to have lab produced meat, uh, I think, regularly in the near future, I hope. I'd love to eat meat that comes from nothing, that's killed nothing. That would be beautiful. Um, 
I don't think that ethically sourced human is a thing. Uh, I guess if you're, and if it is, and you're eating like, I don't know, people that died of cancer, uh, you know, elderly folk might be a little tough. <laughs> and beyond all that, <laughs> I would not eat human were it not for, obviously I've spent some time thinking about the subject. Um, I would not eat human unless it was to survive. I, I, I would, I would then, I don't judge anyone that would to do anything to survive. I, I get it. We're when you get down to it, we're animals and we'll do whatever we got to do, but I would never do that unless I had no other choice. Hmm. Yeah. You? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's a good question. I don't know if I would or not. I, I mean, if it was, uh, you know, I, a friend I asked lives in New York City, and it's a big city with a lot of restaurants, so who knows? There probably could be a new restaurant that is offering ethically sourced human meat now. Um, there probably has been throughout history. Probably. <laughs> it's already been done. Uh, I'm, not opposed to, yeah, I'm not opposed to trying things as long as uh, I'm not hurting anybody, you know? So. I might, All right. Well, to each I give it a own. taste. I like to try things. I'm ex- I like to try things, too, but not my neighbors. No, I don't want to eat my neighbor. Um yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know. I don't need to have like a whole steak. If I could have like just a maybe a, a nibble, a, a taste, a nibble, a rib. Uh, I don't know. So. Just the tip of a pinky. Didn't kill them. They just cut off their pinky. I yeah, can do that. Exactly. Maybe. See, that's easy. That's fun. Okay. No, yeah. Uh, like you, uh, I'm really locked in. I uh, I did a lot of hard work for the best of 2023. So I will. I'll have to hold off on that, which we will do hopefully next episode. So I won't say anything from that. Mm-hmm. I did a. I watched a documentary on uh, Mary Kay Letourneau, Notes on a Scandal. Um, I've heard I think of it. Was it but... HBO Max or Max now? What the fuck it is? It's on Max if you want to watch it. Wait, isn't it. there a movie called Notes on a Scandal? With uh, there certainly Kate... is. Yes, Notes on a Scandal, two thousand five. Okay. Kate Blanchett and yeah, Kate Dame Blanchett. Judi Dench. I never saw it, I've, but I know the story sort of. Okay. I've talked so about bringing it to the show a few times. So yeah, the same thing. Is it the same story? No, it's just, I don't know. Obviously, Notes on a Scandal may have taken, because Mary Kay Letourneau happened in 97, Notes on a Scandal comes out in 2005. It's a scandal, so there's all kinds of scandals, though. So I don't know what the connection is there, but Notes on a Scandal does have something to do with something similar to Mary Kay Letourneau, so I will say that. But uh, Mary Kay Letourneau, if you don't remember, yeah, she was one of the early media darlings of having sex with the student, which is bizarre, but it, that is the world Ew. we live in, apparently. So Okay, yeah, all right. And not only did they have sex, he was 13, 12 years old, but they were in love, and they had multiple kids in, together. In love, quote-unquote. Yes. Okay. So there's another yeah. movie that came out this year with the same subject. Okay. Oh. Apparently it's that kind of year. Right. <sighs> so why I mean, the documentary is wild. You also learned a bunch of stuff I never knew about her, uh, a background. I would really recommend that as a doc, if you want to, kind of find out how the story ended up ending as well. By the way, she, uh, she died like a couple of years ago from cancer. So she's dead. She was younger anyways. She died when she's like 50. So she's mm-hmm. gone now. But uh, interesting story. And I would definitely recommend Mary Gayla Turno notes on a scandal. Uh, I also watched a House of Hammer about the Hammers. Army Hammer. Oh, wow. Arm- the, the, the Hammer, like the Arm and Hammer Corporation family. Yes. All the way down to, speaking of cannibalism. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very wow. apropos. Really good doc. It's three episodes. So it's like a short doc series on Max. I'm really glad I watched it because I learned a whole shitload of shit about Armand Hammer, who was a great grandfather, then, you know, the son, so on until we get to Army. And it's not much of a 
there's, there's definitely a link between Army and all the other hammers. So that's <laughs> something he just picked up suddenly. I will say that. Oh. And of course, when it comes to great wealth, as you know, Travis, we know, because we paid attention, that there's always some scumbag story. Somebody got fucked. Somebody was exploited. You know, there's ah. just, it's really good. I'd recommend it. House hmm. of Hammer okay. on Max. And uh, then I finally watched uh, the last season of Succession. I hadn't gotten around to that. So I knocked that out. Glad to get that over with. I don't want to watch that show ever again. I really don't. But I watched it. So All right. it's like rich people. It's too true to life. It's like, fuck these people. Fuck this shit. You know? That's why I haven't watched it. Everyone tells me it's the greatest show ever. But like, that's also what I hear, too. I'm like, I just don't want to watch the worst people doing the worst things. I mean, I'm already frustrated every day anyway. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> the state of things. I don't want to fucking have it shoved in my face when I'm trying to get into some escapism. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all the acting's great, you know, and Kieran Culkin and Jeremy Strong. And sure. It's fantastic acting and it's well done, but it's like, Sarah, I'll never watch it again. Sarah, yeah, Sarah. I don't know. Yeah, the from uh, the movie we did, 1997. Yeah, Predestination. Yeah, not 97, but yeah, Predestination. We did that one. Siri's jumping in. She's got poor hearing. She thinks. Oh, I said, hi, Siri. I said Sarah. Snoot. Snoot. Snooson. Swanson. Samsonite. I forget. Samsonite. Thank you. Uh, yeah, her. Okay, so I'll never watch it again, but I watch it. So there you go. Uh, check out that stuff. Everything else I got to save for the next episode here. I got lots of All thoughts right. on lots of stuff from 2023. Okay, with that note, let's get into our main event now. It's time to focus on Travis's selection for this week. Hot Tub Time Machine. Great White Buffalo. Great White Buffalo. Great White Buffalo. Great White Buffalo. That's right. I have to, I have to say it. Eric is sick. Obviously, he has been sick. He's ill. Uh, yeah. But he also, you know, it just annoyed me right off the bat. Oh, I got one note on this thing. Fuck it. Fuck that shit. Come on. There's <laughs> lots of. First off, Eric loves '80s music, so he's totally. You just mailing it in. I'm not buying his text. I'm not. So yeah. So he to the listener, Mike's referring to the text that he sent us right before the show where he he said he wouldn't be able to make it because of the timing and uh and his illness and that he only had one note on the move any on the movie anyway which i'm sure is fuck it trash i hated it i, I forget what joy feels like something along those lines <laughs> yeah I, I have to agree with travis on that all the way eric uh, you can prove us otherwise next time we talk yeah, to you on the show i'd love to be wrong yes we'd love to be wrong but okay so you know I definitely have seen this movie before. There's no doubt about that. But do you remember your first viewing of this 2010 <laughs> film? I do. Um, yeah, I saw this not in theaters, but when it came out on rental. So that puts you right about the time. This is one of the last movies I remember like renting from somewhere. We maybe even rented it off TV, but I think we actually like went to a store. And it was when it was either I was in town in West Virginia, like for the holidays, or it was when I had just moved down there for a couple of years around that same time. At any rate, I was like with my mom and my sister and some other family. And this was oh. the movie that we ended up throwing on. <laughs> wow, dude. Yes. I remember the uh, the bathroom soap on the face scene in particular um, <laughs> being awkward as fuck and still laughing, still laughing, but being like, Jesus Christ. My mom being like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> did she sit through the whole thing? Yeah, we all did. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, got a movie watching family. You know, we can handle it. Oh, good. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, it's called it was, male bonding. Okay, haven't you even seen Wild Hogs? <laughs> not all of you were male, but yeah. So. Yeah, no, we were not. 
It was bonding time. The, the Roy family bonds over hot tub time machine. Right. Uh, for me, I have a very distinct memory of this film. Absolutely locked in. 2010, spring break, uh, 2010, Michigan, my senior year at Michigan. So I was a student teacher and I was on spring break. So I went to the theater on like a Tuesday night. I'm like, I'm going to go see Hot Tub Time Machine. I really was like excited about it for some reason. Or it just sounded so wild to me. And I saw that John Cusack was in it. I think it's important to note that, you know, Cusack at this time, it kind of fallen off, I feel like. I think it's fair to say. And now he's fallen yeah. off even further. I mean, obviously, in my this I mean, maybe, he's old now. He's just old. Maybe, and, yeah, this was maybe his last real hurrah. Yes, um, I was going to uh, say the same thing. I will jump in and concur with that. This is like the last, like, oh, this is a good Cusack performance. Well, no, I, I mean, I've he did Frozen Ground, I think, in 2013 or 2012, and he, where he played oh, that yeah. serial killer, which was He did really Love and good. Mercy, too. So, yeah, I mean, he did Love I didn't, and Mercy after that. Okay. But this was like right. the last, when I said, I mean, it was like the last, like, big movie he did that was, like, widely embraced. And it was a return to comedy, I feel like. And I'm not looking at his IMDb page right now, but I do feel like he hadn't done comedies in a while. You know, he'd done like gross point blank. And this is he's reunited with. Oh, shit. I forget to do his name. But it's the same guy that did. Uh, that was one of the writers of gross point blank. And they clearly became friends. Stephen Free, I think his name is. Yeah, that guy. I know you're talking about. I, I got to um, look it up. But yeah, look it yeah, up. That I think, guy. I think his name's Stephen Free. But um, so he'd done gross point blank and then he went on to do high fidelity. And for, you know, for a certain uh, men of a certain age, those two movies, especially high fidelity had a pretty, you know, there were comedy gems in American sweethearts. You and I are a big fan of that. Yeah. Well, so he'd had like a good run of comedies and then kind of sat out almost a decade. It seemed like, and he came back with this and then, what I don't know, started raging on Twitter, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's got that. Uh, Steve pink. Is the his name? Pink. Okay, and it was the director. Okay, Steve Pink. Yeah, so I remember watching it, going to the theater by myself, and I remember it being a good time. I was feeling good about life. I was optimistic. I was, you mm-hmm. know, going to graduate soon, and uh, I had like, I was in good health. It was a good time. So it's a good memory. I remember. That's why I remember it so distinctly. I think mm-hmm. it was a good night, and I enjoyed it. I had a great time, and I told everybody when I got back that I saw at the house because I was still living at the Berkeley Hut yeah. uh, that year, and I was like, "Dude, it's hilarious! You guys got to see this movie. You will laugh." So and and people did laugh. They liked it so much that they made a sequel, and John didn't come back. Yeah, not a that's, good sequel. It's not a good. It's not. Yeah, yeah. just gotta be. Yeah, it's called like it is. I like everyone in it. I love Adam Scott, but it just yeah. wasn't good. Of course, it yeah. was. It was fine as it was. Um, how about the rating? I don't know the rating. I'm excited to guess this one though. All I know is that I overguess every single time we play this game. So I'm going to shoot <laughs> downward. I'm going to say six point four. Oh, I, my guts telling me that maybe it cracks seven, like it's seven one. So I'm going to go seven one. Okay. Oh, you nailed it! Hey! Six point four. You, wow. got, you directly nailed. The score exact. Congratulations, Travis. See, when you change for the better, it's a good thing. The thing about it, not just being like a return for Cusack to comedy, and I imagine, and I'm, I don't mean to speak for Eric, but if you know, to, to give him some credit, if he did hate the movie, this is like the last, as I as I feel, of the big gross-out comedies that I actually liked. There's some real gross-out moments in this, which has never been Eric's cup of tea, and who could blame him? It's exactly what I thought of too. When I turned it on, 
to watch it for this time. I'm like, yeah, okay. So we've had discussions about how comedy changed, and that's like the the late '90s, early 2000s grossouts. Like, oh, by the way, I didn't mention that. That just reminded me. There's something I did watch that I didn't mention. Could I'm glad I didn't. But I watched Van Wilder. And God, that's a perfect example. Of the, it's so fucking gross. terrible. It's it's one of the it's one of the grossest. I wrote it down. I think one of the grossest films I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. It's literally dis- like disgusting. Like it makes me feel ill to still remember that movie. Yeah, uh, most dis- this is a quote. Most disgusting scene I've ever seen in a film. I wrote that down for Van. And Wilder. I know. Yeah, I know exactly what scene. And you're talking. You and I are fans of Freddy Got Fingered. That's yes. how you and I feel about this kind of stuff. We can hang. We can handle it. You loved waiting. Yeah. Like we can handle this shit. But man, Van Wilder, that is a messy turd. It sure is. I'm glad that came up. But yes, you're right. So let's have some movies. American Pies, the Van Wilders, uh, uh, yeah. the Rated R Comedy, you know, Wedding Crashers got made a bunch of money in 05. And that's not a gross out movie, but it's Rated R Comedy. This is a Rated R Comedy and it's a gross out film. It is. Serving Sarah, where Matthew Perry put his hand up a horse. <laughs> Saving Silverman. <laughs> Some weird shit happens in that movie too. All, All right. these movies. Yeah, sorry. Uh, rest in peace, Matthew Perry. That's, by the way, so, not, yeah. not the highlight of his career. <laughs> no, uh, not many highlights outside of Friends. Uh oh. Well, maybe that's not fair. There's a couple hey, movies hey, I like. Yeah. To... Um, I'm a huge fan of. Um, I know you're gonna do that one. The swimmer. Movie. The swimmer one. No, no, um, no. He 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 did two that I love. He did two two to tango, which I love, and I also love Fools Rush In. That's it. Fools Rush In. Yeah, that wasn't swimmer. Yeah. What movie is that? That's uh, with just, Salma Hayek. Ah, uh, okay. I'm thinking there's a swimmer one where like a guy with is Jason dating Lee another. Is what yeah. You're thinking of. yeah. See, I'm I'm mixing up Jason Lee and Matthew Perry. That's strange. Uh, as far as the critical reviews on Hot Tub Time Machine, I mean, you got a 64 percent for the critics, so it actually passes the test barely. And oddly enough, Travis. This is a big discrepancy here from the IMDb rating, or maybe not too much, but it's a 56% from the crowd. It's a tipped over, buttered, popcorn on the floor mess. I am amazed that a movie like this, that the critics would rate it higher than the audience. I know, right? Mind-blowing. That's weird. I mean, it made money or else they wouldn't have made a sequel. That's wild. 100%. Yeah, it's, that is really, that is truly one of the more bizarre, I, I, I guess I didn't know what to expect on this one, but that is wild. Yeah. Uh, critical wild. review. How about a, what? Wait, is this? Okay, so it's, uh, the picture is also verifying that's who I'm thinking of. It says Ed Koch. Okay. And it's got a picture of the mayor of New York City. Why? And it says it's from the Atlantic. I I don't know what's going on here. Did Ed Koch (laughs) do a very special guest appearance as a movie critic for the Atlantic? I think he was dead by that point. What the f- I'm going to read it. So according to Ed uh, Cox, the Atlantic, and a, a, a column. on Sorry. Hot Tub Time Machine, <laughs> of all fucking movies. Wow, this is bizarre. Uh, it may be a generational gap that turned me off, oh. but I thought it was all quite ridiculous. And the dialogue, worse than coarse. Trust me, and not those in their 30s, it is not worth your time. Thanks, Ed. I was 30. I, I was 29, about to be 30, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, let's see. Uh, a lot of people tried it on this one. Uh, we got a. Uh, how about Ian Buckhalter of NPR? What would NPR have to say about this film? Ian said, <laughs> "Not good things." Well, you might be surprised. Admirably turns a potentially one-note joke into a consistently funny package. 
All right. Way to go, Nipper. Yeah. NPR's down. Uh, yeah, looking for uh, we, Rob Gonsalves. We've hit him up from time to time. Uh, yeah. For Cusack and Pink, this is kind of the conclusion of their trilogy of films. There you go. About the depressed Cusackian hero escaping into past simplicity. Oh. Cusackian. I kind of like it. I do, too. <laughs> that fits. That plays. Good job, Gonsalves. Huh. Uh, let's see. Any Destin? Trying to see if we can get a Destin Thompson reference in this one. I would... Nice. He might have been unavailable, right? I mean, Obama term mm, one. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, right. By that point, I would love to get his opinion on this film, though. I'm sure he's probably watched it. Uh, no, nope, not seen it. Hey, Des, you seen Hot Tub Time Machine? <laughs> yeah, hit him up, please. Yeah, we should have done that before the show. <laughs> oh boy, wow, we had a lot of reviews, but yeah. So I'm not seeing a Destin, but yeah, this is a uh, yeah. Cusackian trip to the past to try to move forward or like longing for a past that no longer exists. Uh, that's interesting. I like that. That's a, that's a cool vibe. Yeah. There's that yeah. moment in the movie where um, Cusack's wanting to get out and he says, we had Reagan and AIDS. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a great point. So I mean, this movie is, it, it is. This is a meta movie. There's a lot of meta shit in this film. It is. You oh, might yeah. think I mean, Hot Tub Time Machine. No. Craig Robinson yeah. looks at the camera at one point when he says Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> looks directly at the camera. That's meta as fuck. It is. You're right. And it's the 80s, which basically made Cusack. I mean, that was where did he made catch, his bones. Did you catch the reference? Did you catch the, the reference to one of his other films? Two dollars. I want my two dollars. Yeah, it was, yep, it's, it's not. Album. Nobody's on camera. You just hear two guys passing by on their skis saying, "I want my two dollars," or the no, guy on the phone, "I want yeah. my two dollar bet." The no, giant. I don't think phone. I ever caught it before the viewing uh, three and a half weeks ago. Whenever the fuck I watched this thing, I barely remember. <laughs> I don't know if I did either, but I did catch it this viewing as well. So it's, it's. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, Roger Ebert, real quick. I'll get him on the record. Uh, hot tub time machine which wants nothing more than to be a screwball farce, succeeds beyond any expectation suggestion by the title and extends John Cusack's remarkable run. Wow. Generous from Ebes. He loved it. Oh, I got to do it because it's Goody Coons. Bill Goody Coons checked in on this one. Wow. Goody Coons. Been a minute. Bill Goody Coons from the Arizona Republic said, a movie much different from what its title would suggest, which is kind of a shame because the title is so super awesome. You liked it. <laughs> uh, I feel like the movie and the title jibe rather well, really. I mean, they they go right along one another. But, okay. but yeah, so that fun. it's fun to see... You know, when they walk in after they've gone through the hot tub and transformed after feeling 19 again and see all the 80s references. I actually had no problem with all the 80s references kind of syncing up because, you know, you and I, uh, you know, we're history people. So if it says it's in 1986, I don't want to see any 80s references post 86 when they were looking around that cafeteria lobby hangout. And the worst one for me was seeing the James Brown hot tub. I know it's hot tub time machine, so it makes sense, but that was earlier in the eighties. It just wouldn't be on the TV at that time. And I had a beef with that. Oh, it might, it might. I mean, it might, it's fine. It's better to have it be before the time period than after. You're right. It's it's anachronistic shit. It's a minor beef. Uh, Not where's the beef, but it's a minor beef at that. And which is referenced. It is all, there's a ton of them in there. And it's also, (laughs) It's also a movie, and this hit me for the first time, and 
where we're watching it now, you know, you and I are 43 years old we and we've known each other since high school, middle school. And this is a movie about friends and a friend who everybody doesn't want to talk to anymore. Or it's also about friends who aren't talking to each other either. You've got Lou played by Rob Corddry, who I think Rob Corddry in this movie showed that he could absolutely carry a comedy on his own. He really is. I know he's like the loudest, most annoying character in this movie, but he's really funny in it this makes- movie. Yeah, it makes sense that he would come back eagerly probably for the sequel because he really got to shine in this one. Yeah, oh yeah, okay, you're right. That makes a ton of sense. So, But this is a movie that I'm looking at my own life now and I'm like, yeah, wow, like mm-hmm. he's be, he, everyone's ignoring Lou, that he's annoying to them. They don't want to talk to him. He's an asshole. Is that what we and do then, with you? Uh, no, that's not what we do with me. <laughs> I do that. I'm, I'm doing the reverse of that, actually. Oh, but you're, it's me you're, who's not contacting people. Yeah. Oh, it's, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Right, so there's that's the other part too. Is it's not just Lou being ignored, Cusack's ignoring everybody. He's not talking to any of his friends, and then his his girl leaves him. Yeah, so I guess I'm being Cusack in a way. Yeah, but I don't know who Clark Duke is. So I don't think we have a Clark Duke in our crew. But I'm definitely <laughs> probably feeling most Craig Robinson minus the cuckoldry. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, also, I thought that you liked this movie because. He works at a dog place. When that first came up, I'm like, oh, Travis loves this movie. This it's like a dog guy. I don't know why I think that, but whenever there's a dog on film, like or pets being treated properly, I just think of you. And I'll always think of you. So he shits all over Lemon's keys. But yes, thank you. I do appreciate that you see dogs and think of me. That makes me happy. But yeah, like it, it you know, when they're but, like okay, making we, fun of him. So But if, if you watch this movie, did you learn the lesson from it? Or are you gonna continue to be Cusack? Because I invited you out and you're like, Well, I didn't get a proper invitation, so I'm not gonna come. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to, you know, tiptoe on anything, but you're right. It was a reality check. I wasn't like unaware of my own problems as somebody who's not spending time and getting out and socializing either. I'm well aware of them, but mm-hmm. seeing this movie reminded me that, you know, there's great things to bond upon and there's still a lot of good times to be had and you can still change and learn lessons and grow with people. And uh, like, there's really no reason to get stuck in your ways other than your refusal to change or maybe a lack of, or other mental health issues that you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to let those fester and not do anything about it. And even though this movie's a stupid-ass comedy of the dumbest comedy possible, it's got a lot to say about uh, the people we bring into our lives, how we connect with them, uh, how we kind of make peace with, okay, I don't love everything about this person, but he's still someone I care about mm-hmm. and all that. And I, and yeah. I got that a lot more than this time than I ever did before. You've got a movie here where a squirrel gets vomited on and that becomes like a running gag. <laughs> that's the kind of film you've got here. And so that that's that's low brow as fuck. But also, yep. you know, there is a heart to it. And you know, you got Lou's character as he admits at the end really was trying to kill himself. Now it's I'm a, it still doesn't seem like that at the beginning when you're watching things, but maybe there's some self-awareness going on there and he's like literally like I'm going to party myself to death right now, which is possible. So That's fair. Um yeah, and Luke is such a pathetic character, but also you can kind of relate to him too. You can relate to all these guys, I think, which is partly where where the, the where the draw is. And ultimately, it's yeah, there's a lot of heart to this movie, even that's even if it's fucking dumb as hell. It is. It totally is. Uh, the relationship between Adam Cusack's character and his sister, and then obviously Clark Duke being able to see his mother in her mm-hmm. most uh, you know uh, fornication heavy. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, seeing your mother uh, as a way you probably not want to see your mother if 
even if you loved her, you, hey, it's cool that you have sex. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see well, your it. sister. In Adam's yeah. case, Guess that's you. true too. And yeah. then, and then it's about about lost loves and you know the mistakes we made that maybe we wish we could do over. But the fact that they put in this caveat, so Chevy Chase is in this movie. <laughs> he <Yeah>. plays outstandingly <laughs> this the hot tub maintenance man. Uh, he <laughs> crushes it in this role. And I remember saying when I first saw this movie, saying, "Oh, this is great. Chevy Chase is back and he's crushing it." He he's really funny in it, and it's a perfect kind of like it's not a cameo. It's just like a like a I don't know like the the role that you give someone and billing in, and yeah. Clark Duke is really good with them in those scenes. Like he is really funny the way that they interact. Like like it's just like why would you speak directly to me? It's really funny. <laughs> they have a great. They do. They pair well together. Actually, that's funny about. Chevy kind of was doing community then, so he was getting a little bit of run, and then he gets to do this movie, so he's kind of back on the scene, and he's great in this. And then Clark Duke was a person who kind of came out of nowhere, and he's gone now. Like, Clark, as far as I can tell, like, Clark Duke came on. I remember the movie Sex Drive in, like, 2007 or eight. It was a stupid comedy that he was in, and a couple other films he was in. And I, he was, like, kind of all there for a minute in the late 2000s, early 10s, and now I don't know where that guy is. I haven't seen him in a while. Well, like a lot of times you have actors that have a good run and then just kind of dip off, but he's still doing his stuff. He directed a film called Arkansas. Oh, yeah, that's right. You brought that up on the show before. And if you've seen what this man looks like lately, like at least his IMDb picture, I mean, he looks like fucking Jerry Garcia or something. He, He looks like. He looks like he's out to launch, man. Yeah, like maybe that's why you're not getting roles. Get a fucking haircut. Get your glasses back on. <laughs> nice fucking mustache. What the fuck? Okay, yeah. He looks goofy as hell. But he's he probably does. living the life. You know, he's probably just, you know, like he's doing still enough and living off his hot tub time machine money. <laughs> uh, we also got a early day Sebastian Stan before he yeah. became the Winter Soldier, yeah. which is, I put that together way after the fact, by the way, when I saw oh, the Winter did. Soldier, I didn't recognize him as the ski patrol guy yet. Same. Yeah. No, I did. But too. now, obviously. And and uh, uh, Lizzie Kaplan, you know, she yeah, plays. Lizzie Kaplan. I wonder how you feel about this part of the movie, the Lizzie oh, Kaplan the character. It's oh, okay. the worst part of the movie. Easily. There you go. She has no motivation. She's hitting on, like, what fucking age is she? Is she hitting on <laughs> someone too young? Or, like, what, how, is she really, like, what is happening? Because she doesn't seem to age when, by the end of the movie, when they're reunited. Like, it, that does, that whole thing doesn't fucking work uh, at all. <laughs> I'm so glad. Oh, perfect. Great. Then we can just move on because I completely yeah. agree. And I love Lizzie Kaplan. I love seeing her on screen. I do. But, but you did leave out someone. Oh, I was going there next. Okay. All right. Do it. Crispin? Crispin Glover, of course. Yeah, he's hilarious. He is so funny when he throws the bags off in rage with one arm and then (laughs) sticks his hand out for the tip. It's fucking hilarious. And then this whole, you would think it might be for some movies, like this movie really threads a needle, Travis. It does, (laughs) because this is a hard movie to pull off. It's not easy to make this so fucked up, so funny, so interesting, has heart, like you said, and then a guy like Crispin Glovin's character repetitively waiting for this moment for him to Uh lose his fucking Uh arm. (laughs) It's funny. And when he finally does lose it, for one, it pops off amazingly easily. <laughs> it and, does. And for two, like they're all like, "All right, let's go." And they just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> the ski patrol guys are made. Yeah. They're bad guys. No, they're not bad guys. They they're care. The they're yeah, there's no. Heroes. There's no tropes in this movie. There's not a lot of tropes at all. Even though there's some real dumb shit that happens. 
Yeah, I, mean, I'm just, I, I feel like there must be tropes. There is some really dumb shit. Not character, I guess. Character tropes, right. I suppose, are not too strong in this movie. There's not a lot of that. I'm, that's what I mean to say. What's a more absurd moment? Is it um, Craig Robinson screaming at his nine-year-old wife? Or is it a crowd of people witnessing in a bathroom while one dude is forced to give another dude head at gunpoint? And, like, cheering and drinking and laughing. <laughs> And then another ancillary character, the man himself, Karate Kid, Cobra Kai dude, plays that. That's him. That was him. That was that, that was that was. Wasn't, uh, that, wasn't that him? Am I crazy? I don't know. I, I don't watch the Cobra, the new Cobra Kai show, so I don't recognize what he looks like in his older oh, years. Okay, I'll have to double check that. I always thought I was like, oh my god, this guy's back because it's an '80s movie focused too. So I thought it would be uh, that guy. But yes, you're right. I don't know. Uh, also. Would you cry in agony as a woman with beautiful breasts fucked you in a hot tub? That's tough. That's a tough one. You know, you're married, but you're not yourself. You're an '80s version of your pre-married self. You gotta. And that's the thing about the, how the movie makes that rule. Like they have, they can't just do whatever they want. They got to do exactly what they did. I think that rule uh, does the movie good. I suppose. So. In that they break it repeatedly too, because that's yes. partly, partly where the comedy comes in. <laughs> But True. also, you know, you, the movie is saying, like, you can't go back. Even if you go, like, they return to the town, it's all boarded up and shit. And even if you have a time machine and you go back, like, you wouldn't do things the same way. Everything, like, you just, the past is the past, and you got to let it go. Um, it doesn't mean that it, you can't have a future with the same people and all that kind of stuff and embrace your friends and, and the now. But, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what I get from it. And that, yeah, that was William Zabka. It absolutely was. William Zabka. The, that's his name. I knew was a Z. That was him, huh? Funny. That was him. The 80s bad guy. Uh, the uh, Just one of the guys, obviously, Karate Kid. Yeah, he was an 80s bad guy all over the place. So forget, it's cool that they brought him in. Back to school. Oh, of course. Back to school. Exactly. Yeah. Also, uh, I just had to get this on the record. And mm. not that anyone cares, but... There are some really beautiful women in this room, and I kind of feel like I love 80s style, and I didn't really know that until it kind of like, like that Jenny character that is Cusack's girlfriend, she's so bubbly and she's so gorgeous, and they say, she's tight, she's really tight. She is, I mean, <laughs> I can get that. I get that, I'm 43 now, yeah, things change, I get it. I, I would probably say the same things. <laughs> well, yeah, it's real easy to look back on the girlfriend you had when you were 19 and be like, yeah, she was great, but like, <laughs> I mean... She doesn't have a lot going on. I will say yeah, that. But, yeah. Like almost everyone, everyone, almost every person is beautiful at nineteen. So it's the the bar is low. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a fair point. But I I just want to say that I first time I saw this movie, I still think of that. I don't even know who that actress is. But I was like, oh my god, this yeah, woman is beautiful. Who are you? She played it to a T. So well, oh, I got a question. Lindsay Fonseca. Okay, there you go, Lindsay Fonseca. Thank you. So as I mentioned, we watched this movie a while ago because we were supposed to do it, and then uh, you know we happened as a podcast i i read over my notes before and i got and i it all made sense and then i have this one note that maybe you can explain to me because it's a reference to the film but i don't know what the fuck it means cincinnati fetus <laughs> does that mean anything to you it doesn't no <laughs> i got nothing uh it's, it's what part of is that it's shortly after it, the, the note i have before that is when uh <laughs> Is when um, um, Cordry's character goes to beat off Clark Duke. And says, oh, I'm just warming yeah. you up. Guys do that. Yeah, I didn't catch that one, and I don't know what that means. I, I we've been stopped. Cincinnati Fetus. 
Yeah. Well, anyways, that's a reference to the film. I hope it makes sense to someone <laughs> listening. <laughs> yeah, I hope it does too. Yeah, that, I also think uh, this is a like this should be a good feast movie. We should watch this at the feast. I don't. It's definitely a good feast movie. I, don't, I can't believe we've never done that. Just yeah, a side note. This would work for, more of a late night as a, as opposed to the early morning trash fest. Yeah, maybe not as uh, trash enough. That's fair. You're right. Yeah, it's no street trash. Um, it's no street trash. <laughs> it's no, no street trash. But you know, this movie is. Funny and it's it's entertaining and it flies by and it's got all the '80s stuff that you would want out of it. We love '80s music; it's one of the best decades. I'm not saying it's well, the best, but soundtrack's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, this I mean, it's everything you would love. You get Bowie <laughs> and you get everything. All the hits, all the great songs of the decade are here. And also, this character of you know Nick, played by Craig Robinson, about you know you and I have both played music. We played music together, right? We've been in bands, so I definitely. I definitely relate to that character. Again, another yeah. reason why every character is relatable in one way or another about how he he didn't do what he thought he would do. But he also, you know, he loved his wife, even though his wife cheated on him. So it's a it's complex. That's fucking life. Yeah, life is complex. You know, you have a, you have a dream. Those dreams work out for, work out for very few people. And you look backwards the rest of your life and wonder what if. And then, you know, then you. It's hard. Some you know, I'm not married, but some people it's like, is it this person's fault or you know, is it is it my fault or is it time? Well, who knows? But the, again, yeah, the movie, I'm branded for life now. So oh, when did you get that? You got, you got the tattooed wedding ring. When did that happened? Yeah, I did that last weekend, man. What that, is, it? is it her signature? What does it say? Just, it's it, the L from no. her signature with a little heart on it. That's her actual wow. L. So wow. yeah, we're locked in. <laughs> locked in. <laughs> did she get an M? She did. Yep, right. she got her first tattoo. Wow. All right, well, good for you guys. Never going to lose them. It'll be easy that way. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. But I unless you have to chop off the finger to feed to someone because you don't want to, they don't want to kill you, but they want to ethically source your meat. That would that, <laughs> in that case you might lose that finger. <laughs> start sucking. Yeah, maybe I got to start sucking someone's dick, and uh, I might have to lose a finger to get out of it. I don't know. I'd rather suck a dick than lose a finger for sure. So that's not even a debate. No, um, yeah, no contest. Yeah. <laughs> no contest. Uh, Craig Robinson, though, plays that song that I don't like. That's the only thing I don't like about his choice. They oh, play the, this the song for the future, the fucking Black Eyed Peas song? Yeah, it's not, it's not a huge deal. I just want to say I, I didn't recommend or approve of that choice. So. On the other hand, the song that uh, Lou, you know, the Motley Crue song that he claims is his own, Home Sweet Home, pretty damn good song that I kind of forgot about. Dude, I can't stand motley crew i'm pretty sure we both agree on that I like it at all it's a pretty good song though i love that song it's a great song i've played it even on the piano I, i'm like oh this is simple enough i could play that and i didn't it's a good it's a good melody it's a great melody but motley crew sucks yeah, song's good suck. though yeah. Suck, but yeah not a fan good song i agree uh hmm uh, what else any other points that um, Cincinnati fetus. Oh, um, okay. I questioned whether or not I was going to admit this or not because oh. I often, you know, point out on the show when we watch movies from a while ago, there would be language that is not funny now. It's inappropriate now, right? It's it's a slur, and that's not okay. And the slur that is used by the character Lou at the end of the film to when he's talking to his own family. Mm -hmm. I, uh, for days, walked around and would just start laughing if that popped into my head. <laughs> I get my dogs out and think of that moment just start laughing like, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Turns out you're a human being, Travis. How about that? So. It's very fucking funny. Call your family that. 
<laughs> did you like uh, how Lou changed the future? Did you care? It was, I mean, it's yeah, a wrap it's, up. Well, so, I mean, for as far as the the construct of the film goes, you have one character that chooses to stay behind and other characters that desperately want to go home. And I could understand doing either one of those things, you know, if I was in that scenario. So I'm glad that we kind of get to see both. And yeah, Lou is not an ethical guy in stealing everyone's intellectual property and everything, but we never ever throughout the film is he really, we're not seeing him as like a super beacon of ethics anyway. So, um, it's uh yeah it's fine it's fine it we're, it's a it's a good little you know what, you, what would you say like a bookend or not bookend but it's kind of like a good little tack on at the end of the movie kind of like give it a moment make it fun yeah and of course uh the fact that he's his son Clark Duke you know of course uh, the yeah. fact that he he may not exist because he pulls out it's funny it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> you gotta finish the job Lou <laughs> uh, something nitpicky that did bother me is that oh. They're all getting drunk and the hot tub spins around and everything and they wake up and they're back in the past. But then when they go back to the future, okay, uh, when, but when they go back to the future, like it's, suddenly they're like in the sky, there's a huge pillar. They're like, you know, it's like a much bigger production. And like, <laughs> that would have woken them up, at least one of them. So it's just, I don't like the inconsistency there, but that's my quibble. Yeah. Also, uh, Chernobyl happened that year. So Chernobyl, there you go. That's Chernobyl. it's not a funny thing, but yeah, okay. It's referential. Oh, that that. Is kind of, I mean, I didn't really put two and two together that like, that's partly why St- Sebastian Stan character is freaking out about it. Cause it's like, it's fresh in the news for him, Chernobyl. And yeah. then, you know, for us, it's like, it could be a funny reference. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And also yeah. the thing about this film is that you, Try your best not try to follow the rules, right? They still end up fucking things up. Like it starts to happen when when they're doing those bets with the football game, which I know very well. It's a very famous Denver football game, nineteen eighty seven playoffs, and uh, that squirrel comes up and changes it of what they thought they knew, even though they were trying to follow along and break yeah. the rule. They were not wanting to break the rules, and that was the thing about. Uh, by the way, Lou is known as the violator, uh, which is a, that's right, not a great name. Uh, but let me say the Crash Mode fan. Yeah, oh, yeah. Lou <laughs> loves Depeche Mode. That makes a lot of sense. But it also is character appropriate. But in this, in that realm, they really need him to not be selfish, and it's so hard for him to do so, and then it doesn't work out anyways. And I think that's the movie telling you, like, again, one of these, like, meta things going on beyond everything you see is, like, you may try your best, you may have a plan, but fuck your plans. And that's something we all know now. Butterfly effect. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! So sick of that in movies. The fucking butterfly. That movie happened, and they reference the movie in this movie, which yeah. I can't blame them. But yeah, but no, but that is what's happening when the, you know you puked on the squirrel. Now the squirrel's fucking up the football game. So, <laughs> so <laughs> stupid! It's so stupid. Oh, it's a also, stupid the, movie. Uh, oh, it is a stupid movie. Yeah. And early on, it's a really great scene when the girl leaves that message and how they set that up with the red stickers and everything. And he didn't put a red sticker on the TV, but I took it anyway. It was really good timing. I like the writing there, like the flow of that. It it sets the movie up well, like, okay, we're going to make you laugh, but this is also a story we're telling. And the fact that dude, Clark Duke plays in the basement doing that second life bullshit as Adam says, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. 
that was another note i didn't know what it made it didn't i'm like what does prison the game mean i don't understand this um now it's, i understand it's the oh, it's you, a reference to, yeah now i because i read yeah i made a note of it but i just didn't remember what it was but it's prison the game it's funny <laughs> yeah it is funny you know this guy is just sitting in his basement pretending <laughs> to live a life he's not living life and they're trying to sell that part of it too that is it more rewarding to be out there and living it as opposed to pretending to do so all alone for a stupid, gross comedy, they cover a lot of ground. They do. They, they actually really? do. But the yeah. human experience, especially for men of a certain age. Exactly. And it's funny now we're, we're in 2024 reviewing this, analyzing it. Mm. And it's only become more common to have these worlds now that are built, these massive online realms where you could just be lost in it more than he ever could have 14 years ago. It's just become more common. So it didn't go away. It got more got worse. involved. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, you ready? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you, you picked it, buddy. Go ahead. I picked it. It's it's gross, and but obviously I think based on this conversation, it's clear that it still holds up for me. I still get a lot out of it. Surprisingly, I kind of was expecting to – I was worried. I don't pick comedies that much on the show because a lot of times there's not a lot there to talk about. Um, like when we did The Other Guys, for instance. It ends up being like really grasping for straws, <laughs> talking about police brutality and shit. Um, <laughs> so, But surprisingly, yeah, there is a lot more here than I expected. I think that – I think that if Eric had been here, I do always miss his perspective when he's not here. Um, maybe we could have talked him into some of uh, appreciating some of it, maybe because and he's you know he's a sensitive guy. He he would get up. Uh, he would get a lot of the same stuff that we're talking about in terms of um, longing for the past and all that kind of jaded shit. So it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a dopey movie, but it's fun and it's actually got a heart. So yeah, of course it holds up for me. Yeah, Eric's point of view would be useful, but we would also have to assume that he actually gave it the time instead of just kind of glancing at it as a one-off. Um, while driving his car. Well, <laughs> yeah, while driving his car, which, uh, you know, I didn't... Did he, had he ever seen this before? He hadn't, right? No, no, he hadn't. And that would play into maybe not... Again, we're all assuming he didn't like it, but I think we assume safely. <laughs> I think, yeah, he, made it, he doesn't really pussyfoot there. So it's okay. We'll miss his perspective here, but we didn't really need it because it is a fun movie. It's dumb. It's funny. It's fascinating. It makes you think about your own life, especially if you're of a certain age. Even if you're, even if you're 22 or you're 18, and you're going into those times where you're really tight with your group of friends, and they mean everything to you. And it's such a great little. There's so many great little lines in this film, which you wouldn't expect from a movie called Hot Tub Time Machine. But it's like he says when uh, he's sitting there, John Cusack's care, Adam says, you know, we had momentum. We were winning. You know, everybody they, seemed to care more. Right? Exactly. Everybody seemed to care more. And I I got to assume that you and I both were like, yeah, I can relate to that for sure. You and know, the hot tub starts glowing right at that moment. So it's not just the dumping the Chernobyl on there. There's something mystical happening. Exactly. Right. They're throwing in mysticism and stupidity and absurdity all at the same time. And that's when Chevy Chase shows up and talks about the hot tub being on the fritz. And it's just a fun movie, man. I mean, yes. Uh, and it's not even the that dated. I mean, Travis mentioned some of the language and some of the slurs. But that's that was part of that final run of those movies and that allowance i suppose by society anyways that's over now it is uh, at least mm -hmm. in mainstream film uh, but it's also again i always bring this up it's 
it's accurate. These people, people talk this way. And I, you know, it's like the old argument you want to make about uh, Quentin Tarantino's dialogue and how he's been challenged for using the N word too much in his films. But, you know, there's black actors who do his roles and they support him because they're authentic to the roles. And as long as it's authentic to the people and the characters and the story being told, you know, I, I, I will always understand that. But yeah, this movie isn't, that, you know, it's not filled anyway. with slurs. I'm sorry. To no, it's not. The movie's it's, not, it's not like ridden with slurs. That's what I was just going to say. It's not even that serious. So this movie is just a lot of fun and it's it's a good romp. Yeah. Go on an adventure. Remind yourself of what you used to be or what you are or maybe what you become. Who knows? Whatever age you are. But I think everybody from all genders and all backgrounds can get something out of this film and be like, wow, this had something. Like, don't just assume it's a stupid comedy. It's not just a stupid comedy. It really isn't. And I think that's why Hot Tub Time Machine holds up. It's a. It's a fun film. I'll I'll watch it for a long time. I'll always watch this movie. Yeah, it's I will too. Yeah, it's just a good time. So I'm glad you chose it. That was a fine choice, and uh, I probably would have brought it to the table sooner or later, anyways. Obviously, oh, really? yeah. Me and Travis obviously like it. We're we enjoy the film, and we have enjoyed it prior. And you know, it's it's all Continue about that great uh, white buffalo. Great white buffalo. Great white buffalo. Uh, so you have Eric's pick for next week, sir. Is that correct? No, I thought you did. Uh-oh. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, I oh, texted him no. and said, uh, hey, let, let us know what your, you know, I said, give us your pick for Tuesday if you haven't already. But I guess yeah, he you did. didn't do that. Uh, well, I guess we'll text- find out what we're doing <laughs> and, and hopefully record on Tuesday as planned and get back into the regular swing of things. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, we don't know Eric's pick. We'll give it to you as soon as we can. And that's why you follow us on social media or you can email the show, cinnamonipod at gmail.com. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Good call. Cinnamon I'm Travis. I'm Mike. We're out of here. Great White Buffalo. Great White Buffalo. Hey, look, it's a douchebag from Karate Kid 3. <laughs> <laughs>